Okay, we are on. Good afternoon and welcome to the Joint Select Committee of the Board of Supervisors and the Board of Education. I just want to um, recognize our clerk today um, is Esther Casco from SFUSD. We also have Erica David from uh, the Board of Supervisors. And we, of course, want to thank um, the staff at SFGovTV who um, make our meetings public and transcribe, transcribe all of our meetings. Um, and that today is Bill Dillon and Nona McCollian. Uh, uh, first, we, I do need to take a motion to excuse Commissioner Wins um, from today's meeting and also, um, I believe, excuse Supervisor Breed, who are you replacing today? Um, I'm replacing Supervisor Avalos. Okay. So we need a motion to excuse Commissioner Wins and also to excuse um, Supervisor Farrell. Can we take that motion? Okay, we'll take that motion. We'll do that without opposition. And um, in, in their places, we do have um, Supervisor London Breed and Commissioner Emily Morase, who are here today. I'm also joined by Commissioners um, uh, Hydra Mendoza and President Rachel Norton at our regular Joint Select Committee as well. We do have one hearing today, um, and that is um, the only item on our list. Madam Clerk, can you please call our item? Thank you, uh, Supervisor. It's uh, file number 131010, and it's a hearing to present San Francisco Unified School District's package of initiatives related to science, technology, engineering, and mathematics programming, including the Mayor's Middle School Leadership Initiative at this, at this select committee. Thank you. Thank you. And we do have uh, um, um, some presenters here today, but first up we have Jim Ryan, um, the new STEM Executive Director for SFUSD, who will be presenting on how the initiative has been going since June. But before we um, open up for the presentation, I did want to allow um, any members of our committee to make opening comments if they would like. Seeing none, we'll move to the presentation. Thank you, Mr. Ryan. In the, in the five just five, just over five months I've been in the position, one of the, one of the questions that comes up over and over again is, so we've aggregated science, technology, engineering, and math into a, into an acronym. What does that mean? And one of the things that we, that we try and work on, or that we've tried to convey is that STEM is neither a job nor a specific class. Um, I've, out of college, I worked as an engineer before, be, before becoming a high school math teacher and administrator, and then I've also worked for Apple Computers as a programmer. And the job I hold now is the very first one that I've ever had that held the, the acronym STEM in it. It's not, it, it's, it's simply, it's a way of us aggregating what we mean by that. And what we mean is that each of these elements has connective tissue, and the connective tissue is that it enables those who are who are educated in these in these fields to problem solve now whether that be as a scientist where you develop a hypothesis and test it in a lab whether it be an engineer in which you um, in which you brainstorm build prototypes uh, test them have them fail reiterate the next generation prototype or as a mathematician in which you collect data and then model that data with an algebraic function, what you're teaching 
students to do and what as a, what as engineers or technologists we you're doing with that information is you're presented with a problem to solve and you're using various tools you're using the best tools for that job and that is how we define what stem is now where's the need um, actually I'm sorry before you before yeah. you keep going, um, it, it, be, it could be that the Board of Education talks about this issue all the time, okay. so may not need the background, but if you could, for the members of the public and the Board of Supervisors, if you could talk a little bit about how this came to be. This is a new initiative from the school district, um, I know, because it wasn't something we always talked about at the school board, so if you could talk about how this came to be, what the mission of it is, and what the goals of this program are before you launch into the details, that would be great. Sure, sure. Um, the initiative came to be over the past year as we, as the district looked at um, its direction in science and in math, in particular with the new math standards and now the new science standards, there needed to be a greater umbrella, something that, that actually wove together the, um, the thinking behind it so that it wasn't simply two parallel tracks. And those, and the, that weaving together, a lot of that is the 21st century skills that we that that we are looking for from our students, and so that umbrella, that STEM umbrella, gave um, uh, created a, an avenue for um, curriculum instruction, our offices in Cabrillo, um, a direction to to um, put this together, to ask for funding, to act to create a much more robust department that can actually push through not only science and math, but push through with, um, with uh, larger sites. So um, further background, further than five, six months ago, um, I'm going to rely on my colleagues if you want to go further back than that, but okay. So one of the when we talk about STEM, we also, many times, we talk about the opportunities that, that are available for not only our, our students, but for our workforce in general. And this, um, this slide here has a number, has, uh, cites a number of data points. Um, could we have SFGovTV put on the PowerPoint presentation? Right. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, and also, could we get the televisions on, too, for members of the public? Yeah. Yeah, there we are. So, um, you know, and here's, here's just a few data points, and, and they're, they're not, probably not surprising to anyone here. So in 2006, California had the highest um, number of high-tech businesses by a wide margin more than any other state. So, and, and we sit in the breadbasket of... of um, of technology world, and no surprise to any of them, any of us. But also, as a share of our total workforce, those within the STEM fields were in the top quartile among any states. Even as populous as, as California is, it, we are among those uh, in the highest quartile. In addition, not only are, is it a higher, higher proportion, higher number, but it is also the fastest growing. Those within the technology fields, those within the engineering fields, are those that are that, that are fastest growing. So there's the, this opportunity that's um, ongoing. Yet, 
there's an opportunity gap. There's a mismatch between those jobs that, student, that students can avail of them, themselves of, but, but have the will or the power to do, or the exposure to take on. In that opportunity gap, there's a few data points that I'd like to point out. And the first one is done by the Lawrence Hall of Science and found that in 2007, only one in five um, K through five teachers spent one hour or more on science instruction. The rest spent less. So that tells us that our students aren't having the op aren't getting the opportunity to do science in their younger grades, and so. One of the thing, one of the consequences of this is math sits inert with them, within them. They may learn the math, but they don't know how to apply it outside of a math lesson because they're not given the opportunity. And this, that's an opportunity gap. Another, another opportunity gap, and it's one in which we in the school district speak about quite a bit and are, and, and recognize as our primary charge is the, are the students of um, our African American and Latino students are achieving at much lower lower levels, and this this is for California as a whole. But 34 percent and 35 percent of our African American students and Latino students by the 11th grade are in Algebra 2. That is on what you would consider the the, the traditional sequence or tradition and traditional timeline, as opposed to 52 percent of um, of uh, white and 78% of Asian students. The other piece is where, uh, where are we losing students in terms of interest? At tw in, in 2012, this is from EdSource as well, and this is California data, 28% of our high school freshmen said that they had a STEM interest. We know from past projections that 57% of them will lose interest by the time they reach their senior year. That's not only an indication of what's happening during our during uh, science and math and our in our other STEM courses in uh, in high school, but we've lost 72% in the K through 8 level. That is that's an alarming level. We are losing students' interest early. So. Of our proposed, there there are some smart, well-educated, and very uh, successful people who have, who have proposed other solutions for how we satisfy that opportunity gap. One of them, um, Joseph Nye, former dean of the Harvard Kennedy School, said that that we don't have to worry about it because the United States will be able to pull from a workforce, the entire world's workforce, of seven billion, as compared to China. Who, who is only pulling from a domestic workforce of 1.3, and then a, a lobbying group based out of the Silicon Valley by the by the luminaries in Silicon Valley are have have advocated for a comprehensive immigration reform. In full disclosure, my mother immigrated from here in, in when she was 26 from Mexico City, not speaking a word of English. I have some very strong opinions about immigration many of which I'd love to talk to you about over a cup of coffee, but what these folks are saying is that we as an education system can't do our job, that they have to go outside of the education system to satisfy the needs of the workforce. And I reject that, and we need to reject that.
And so that is where we take on STEM as a whole. So what is STEM's charge? Now, this is a statement that, that is common within SFUSD. It's a very powerful statement of overcoming the predictive nature of demographics. And a person that I used to work with in a former job um, is the president and director of the Museum of Science. His name is Giannis Mulis. And he, um, he used to be the, uh, the dean of the School of Engineering at Rutgers. And his data showed him that 72% of students who ever get a degree in engineering also have a family member in uh, also have a family member who's an engineer. That's not surprising. Engineering is one of the least understood terms or professions by young people. Is an engineer the person who drives the train? Is an engineer, is an engineer when, you, when, you're, when your toilet breaks in a hotel and you call down, they'll say they're going to send engineering up? Men, we've got closets all over our um, schools that say engineering on them, and when you open them up, they contain a water heater. So if we want students to go into these fields, we need to give them exposure to what an engineer actually does, how an engineer thinks. And we can't do that just for some of the kids. We can't call, do this just in specific courses that we call STEM or for a certain set of 30 or 50 or even 75 students who get an opportunity to do an externship after school. We have to do it for all kids if we are going to overcome the, those, the, the predictive power of demographics. So when we talk about our solutions around STEM, our solutions need to be the size of our problem. And our problem that we have to solve for STEM is 56,000 kids. We need to give every student exposure to STEM. We need to give every student some confidence with, their, with that, the problem-solving nature of those folk, of the jobs within the STEM field. And how are we going to do that? Well, one of the things is when we roll things, when we roll out our efforts, and we'll go in and um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what we're doing in math, a little bit about what we're, gonna do, we're doing in science, and then Baje, my colleague, is going to talk about the mayor's initiative around educational technology. But what, to remain relevant, we need to show impact, and we need to show impact soon. We can't wait five years. So we, whatever we design, whenever we, whatever we are doing at CNI now, my staff knows that they are designing it, to have an impact measure initially. Even if it's just in, uh, in uh, forward in, or a, a leading indicator, it needs to show something immediately. And the other reason is we can't scale something if we don't know if it works. And so that is important to us. We need to be able to test things, fail through an indicator if that's what we happen, and revise and fail forward again, because if we, if, unless we test it and know it works, we won't scale it. It doesn't make any sense to do that. So one of the things that we're doing, or one of the, one of the reasons why, why it's the right time and the right place for us to take this on is 
if, you know, this is data that you may, that you may know and have. But there are 10, roughly 10,000 districts across our 50 states. And in those 10,000 districts, the largest 100, and the largest 100, the largest is New York at million students down to a district of 47,000 students. So we're at the smaller end of that larger 100. And they serve, that 1% of districts serves 25% of the students, and they serve 40% of our Latino, African-American, and underserved students. So if you're going to make a difference for those kids and get them into the STEM fields, this is the only place to work. It is those top 100. It's not, and so, and if you're in those schools, you need to be dressing every student with this. You can't, you can't be a program that is done after school. It can't be a program only that, that, that is done in, a, in an elective course. We not we're not we don't want to stop those elective courses. We don't want to stop those after school. We want to cherish those and, and continue them. But we need a larger initiative that addresses every student. So why right now this is the right time? This is the right time because of the next generation science standards, the Common Core math standards, allow us to count uh, change what counts as mathematics, what counts as science. science? For instance, science historically, and, and, and when many of us were students as well, I would guess, is science was an exercise of the teacher answering questions students wouldn't ask of themselves. And now the next generation science standards redefine that, redefines that as teachers asking questions, posing problems to students and saying, how would you answer this? And students, whether it be an engineering problem, because there's an engineering strand in the new standards, or a scientific problem, need to design, need to develop hypotheses, test their, test their thinking, retest it, develop new hypotheses. Those things that we need in our STEM fields, that type of thinking, is now embedded in our new standards. In math, it's the same thing. Running throughout the math um, standards is the modeling strand, which says that students need to um, collect information on real-world situations and model it with mathematics, whether it be geometry, whether it be algebra, whether it be data analysis and statistics. But those types of problem-solving skills are embedded in, the, in, in these new standards. And right now, we have the opportunity to redefine these courses and redefine them in a way that allows students to access our STEM fields. And in, in San Francisco, it's us who, who serve. It's those largest 100, but it's us in San Francisco who serve those students who have the largest untapped potential. And so this is where you need, where we need to be. So just going briefly into what we're doing in these, in these fields, I'm going to go over the math and science before I hand it over to Bajay for the, for the technology. Um, currently, we're in the process of rolling out the, the Common Core Standards in Math. And there are nearly 2,000 teachers who have math responsibilities in the, in, in San Francisco. We're working with nearly 400 of them who are developing units of study for their students, piloting those or field testing those, 
and then revising those and refining them. And we're building it over a multi-year process of building this new curriculum based upon the based upon the Common Core standards. And these um, curricular units have de design criteria that are based upon giving students the opportunity to tackle those rich problems that we that I was just discussing, tackling the meaty or chunky problems of mathematics. And how are we going to roll it out to the additional 80 percent? We're developing a site-based teacher-leader model in which teachers are collaborating with their colleagues and, develop, and having those peer-to-peer -peer conversations and looking over student work and evaluating what did you do to get your students to be able to tackle this problem? How can I, can I come watch you? Can I observe how this is happening in the classroom? And creating the environment in which we can get in which we can get a, a good implementation. So our math team is fully engrossed in this work. Mr. Ryan, can I just yeah. ask, um, sure. so how did you select these 1,400 teachers? And when you say you're spending additional time working with them to refine, pilot, um, develop these curriculums, does that mean additional, they get an additional period, do they get additional professional development, do they get a subsidy through their salary? Just curious how that happens. Yeah, they get the additional professional development um, and additional stipends for um, days during the summer. Okay, and how are these teachers selected? That is self-selected at this point. Self-selected oh, so and recruited, actually. Okay. So out of 2,000 teachers, 1,400. No, 400. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, only 400. 400. Yeah, okay. 20% so of the. 2000. Oh, okay. I thought that was 20% of all SFUSD teachers no, have no, no, math no. responsibilities. No. So 20% of teachers with math responsibilities yes. volunteered to be in this program or recruited in. And are they, did you um, target specific, um, uh, did you do middle school, high school, elementary? Yeah, we have, um, there, there are certain numbers at every grade every so that okay. we have, so that we can develop the units and so that we can mm -hmm. pilot them pilot them in courses mm -hmm. from, from the non-developers so that we have um, somebody who hadn't seen them before mm -hmm. be able and to roll them out. Did you target schools like in the Mission and Bayview Empowerment Zone? Did you target kind of schools based on testing performance or was it just any teachers that want to volunteer amongst the 2,000 got to participate? It, it was volunteers and then we, and then we went after the uh, schools that were, where we felt that they had um, that where we the wanted to get the students, uh, the, these materials in front of the students so that we get a, a wide range. Of okay, feedback. thank you. Yeah. So in science, um, one of the data points that I mentioned earlier uh, was about um, how science currently just simply isn't taught um, regularly in K through five. The, the data from the Lawrence Hall of Science where it was one in five teachers um, I mean, that's, a, that's an indicator that, uh, that No Child Left Behind actually worked. They didn't test it. They didn't get taught. And so um, we are now with the Next Generation Science Standards rolling that out. And we are just, since it was just um, adopted by the state in September, we're developing the plan of how to roll that out and what that looks like and what kind of training um, we're doing on that. So that is, that is really at the, at the foundational or ground level that we're working on that. The other piece of this is we are reinvigorating K through five science. 
We've um, gone through the principles, found um, 25 t uh, schools that said, yes, we want to reinvigorate our science programs at our schools. And it's, um, as, as many of you know, um, K our, our K through five schools are engrossed in ELA rollout right now. And it's not, and so we had to take the opportunity for just those schools that felt that they could take on science as well as ELA. And so that was how these schools were selected. And, and we are reinvigorating them by not, by doing coaching, professional development, purchasing materials, because the last time that we, that we, um, did a science adoption, those materials were purchased, sent out to schools, and there was no systemic way of replenishing them. So those materials are now being, um, being, uh, uh, replenished by, by us and CNI and getting those in, and getting students in those schools, um, starting to do experiments and doing science. And then we, part of this is, working with those schools, primarily in the Bayview, who have said we want to um, take on science. And we are doing, and so we are focusing much of our coaching efforts into, uh, around science, into the Bayview, around those higher need schools. Mr. Ryan, before you move on, um, Commissioner Norton had a question. Hi. Yeah. Didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to ask, what is NGSS? I, oh, I'm sorry. It's the Next Generation Science Standards. It was developed by Achieve and uh, uh, the same organization that led the effort for the Common Core Standards. Okay. And um, the state of California in September adopted those as our own. Okay. So we have new science standards for the state. So it's essentially like a common core for science. It, it, yes, okay. that's the attempt. We'll Hi. see if it gets adopted as widely. Okay, so it's being, it's in the process of being adopted by individual states Yes, right now. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you know how many, offhand, how many states have adopted? The last I'd seen was four or five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I hey. was most concerned with California, and yes. then I stopped watching. For obvious reasons. <laughs> so I'm going to, um, unless there are more questions for me, I'm going to hand it over for, to Baje to talk about the technology piece. Thank you, Mr. Ryan. Okay. So I um, want to reckon up. I recognize Bajay Tiara, um, who's a special assistant to the chief of staff, to present the rollout of the mayor's middle school leadership initiative, which we're all very excited about. Good afternoon, commissioners and supervisors, and I'm very excited to be here with my colleague, Jim, to talk about the district's emerging STEM framework and most um, excited about the update about the middle, mayor's Lee's Middle School Leadership Initiative. I've been very fortunate to have been a part of this work from um, the beginning. Um, as most of you have heard, uh, the official launch was earlier this month, but we actually started to get the ball rolling as early as July. A little background on the Mayor's Leadership Initiative. It came out of a shared um, partnership and a shared goal between the Mayor and Superintendent to provide principal leaders with strategies and resources to build strong, cohesive schools. And also, most importantly, in connection to STEM, to provide technology. The initial investment from Salesforce.com um, consisted of $1.5 million investment to support an initial group of STEM teacher professional development, infrastructure, and 
technology out to the school sites, which, which includes about 24 carts to 12 middle schools and an additional $1.2 million investment to principals innovation funds. And these funds were given to the principals to um, support and make decisions to move their work forward as it's connected to the district schools and vision. And also even more exciting is we have access to thousands and thousands of Salesforce um, volunteers. And some of the work that we've been able to um, coordinate with Salesforce and their volunteers are mentorships, tutoring opportunities, and many, many volunteers came out to open up and do beautification projects at many of our school sites. Um, highlights of the grant to date, you have a document in front of you that details um, in more detail, but just some highlights are iPads have been purchased, configured, deployed, and integrated into 24 classrooms tw across 12 middle schools. Teacher professional development has included a five-day summer boot camp, monthly PDs, personal coaching and supporting to teachers on site, and the formation of a PLC professional learning community of educators leading this work. All comprehensive middle schools have had wireless upgrades to enable these teachers to effectively use technology. You can't um, have access technology if you don't have the technology there, so that's been um, very exciting. Students and teachers are actively using this technology to enhance learning and school experiences. And here's a highlight. I don't know if you can see the photos um, of students using and engaging in the iPads on, on a very regular basis. They're very excited. I can't tell you how thrilling it has been to be from the ground up of just getting the project I'm running to see the devices and students engaging with the technology on a daily basis. Next steps. So um, I'm sure many of you have heard about the visioning work that our district is undertaking called Vision 2025. We are in the process of setting and defining the next phase of the partnership with the mayor and Salesforce.com. The planning process will now expand to include the middle grades of K-8 schools to address all of our middle school students in the district. And we will focus on both short-term and long-term recommendations for our, our, for our ideal middle year students and family experience. Are there any questions? Really just more of a comment. I was glad that you addressed the K-8 issue because I, I know we on the board have heard a fair amount from K-8 parents, but I, I really wanted to um, just for the benefit of our colleagues here in the supervisor chambers to stress that everybody will get a chance to benefit from, um, from this wonderful program and this donation and um, certainly the K-8s will be in the next wave or phase or however we want to. Absolutely. It. We wanted to be very thoughtful in this rollout. It wasn't, we didn't want to just send technology out to the school, site, school sites without being thoughtful for professional development and support. So our next phase will definitely include all middle grades, including K-8s, and we're looking forward to that expansion. Thank you. And um, Commissioner Mendoza. I'm sorry, we actually do have questions, if you don't mind staying up here. Mike, oh, there we go. Um, to that to that point, Commissioner Norton, I just I, um, yes, we will be expanding it out, and our hope is to. Um, I mean, our, our, why we focused on our 12 comprehensive middle schools was because it was a very, um, and I use controlled in a in, in more of a research. <laughs> 
model than, than controlled from central office, but you know, being in a space that we can have um, 12 leaders that have the same supervisor, that get the same kinds of support was really critical in rolling this out. And I think we've all recognized that Kates have different support mechanisms, and, and so the first conversation we're going to have with the Kates and the comprehensive middle school principals in the room will be um, tomorrow, actually, yes, right? tomorrow October afternoon. 25th, and then a second one on November the 6th. And so they're starting to... Um, to, to kind of get folded in, and I just reminded them that to be careful what you ask for because it really is, I mean, I really want to just commend the, the 12 principles that we've been working with because, you know, they planted the idea um, on what it is that they needed in order for middle schools to thrive, and we've taken from that list um, to develop a proposal to go to Salesforce, um, but it wasn't without a lot of, buy-in and a lot of commitment and a lot of participation. So it is a huge undertaking to do what we've asked them to do, um, but they've also asked us to do something for them. And so there's been some really wonderful give and take. Um, and Bajay's been really great in leading the charge around making sure that any of our partners are um, are on the same page, so we meet um, twice a month. <laughs> so every other week, we come together as a group and meet for an hour and a half just to make sure that this gets implemented well. And um, if you want to compare this to the way in which LA <laughs> rolled their um, iPads out, I have to say we did a fantastic job. But the other, the only other piece I want to say is that um, unfortunately, the focus has been on the on the iPad on the device. And that's just one piece of what we're trying to deliver to the district. Um, and I think that that Jim was very clear about the goals of the school district in bringing STEM to all of our kids. Um, and this initiative, it will be bringing, putting the T in STEM. Um, and so we've been trying to kind of fend off those who are more focused on the device and the whole idea that a kid gets an iPad. That's not what this is about. This is really about access and opportunity, um, providing experiences for our kids, and really lining up the STEM curriculum that, that um, Luis and Jim have identified that's important for our schools and for our students, um, and then using this as a resource um, for our students and then just being very targeted about it initially. So that's kind of a long-winded way to say, yes, we do want to include them, but it's going to be a lot of work on their part as well. And um, our early adopter teachers have been terrific. And um, we've asked teachers to participate in this who want to and are committed to delivering a great um, teaching experience for our kids. And it's now starting to kind of bubble up where people want to be part of this, and so teachers are are lining up to uh, to participate, so that's been really exciting too. And we've we've purchased more carts than what we had originally committed to because schools want to expand um, their teacher support. So we're also providing a lot of professional development to ensure that that's um, happening as well. So we're really excited about that. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner uh, Commissioner Morase. I have a question for Mr. Ryan and perhaps Dr. Valentino. <clears throat> in the presentation, um, Mr. Ryan talked about the opportunity gap, and I wanted to explore that a little further. Um, 
I think the availability of STEM courses at different schools in the district is an issue that our large comprehensive high schools concentrated on the west side tend to offer a lot more in terms of STEM courses. And I just want to be sure that there's some strategic thinking about placement of, for example, health pathways. You know, we have a strong program at Wallenberg in Supervisor Breed's um, neighborhood with Kaiser. Um, we have a strong health pathway at Galileo. Um, and and uh, just this week I was at the spur lunch with Ron Smith of the Hospital Council. And the Hospital Council is very anxious to re-engage with the schools and strengthen some of those pathways. So I, I just want to ask about um, the strategic thinking around placement of um, STEM courses and pathways throughout our school district. Correct. Uh, good afternoon. Um, when, we, when we refer to it as a STEM course, what we're really talking about is those courses that contribute to supporting the STEM initiative of ensuring that in the areas of science, technology, education, and math, there is a robust and comprehensive approach to ensuring that students are exposed to that quality of work from preschool through the 12th grade. So if we are looking at the high school, for example, courses that, that we would consider STEM intensive or STEM aligned would be those, those in the CTE academies, for example. And so one of the things that we have been doing to ensure better alignment was to ask every high school that offered a CTE program to reapply last year because we had asked them to ensure that they were aligned to the CTE standards because the CTE standards and the STEM intensive coursework is quite, quite well aligned. Because as we look at workforce development work, the relationship that we have, those pathways are really important to the areas that have been identified as STEM intensive um, courses. If we work backwards, the, the, the work with the initiative is one example, but there are others. So as, as Jim and his team look at the rollout of the common core standards in mathematics, the core curriculum is inclusive a lot of the 21st century skill sets that will be necessary for their students to acquire as they move into high school and beyond. And so we, are, we look at what are the characteristics of STEM intensive courses and ensure that as we look at the standards that they are inclusive of those skill sets. As we look at the elementary level, we're looking at it in the same way. We are now working with the preschool program and the special ed program to look at what does STEM look like at the preschool level. Well, STEM intensive work means at that level, a lot of discovery, a lot of opportunity to learn about the world around them. And so in working with, for example, we have an agreement with the North Bay Museum to possibly work with us with the preschool teachers, with the early education teachers to provide those opportunities for those students. However, there are various partners, including the universities, the Exploratorium, the um, Academy of Sciences, that all lend support to our work with that STEM intensive focus. And so we are very cognizant of the fact that whatever courses in that arena come to play, that we embed them with that intensity to ensure that all students have access to that. One of the things that we do have to consider, which is what uh, Commissioner Morasi is, is alluding to, is access points in areas like the Bayview. And as an example, 
And so one of the things that Jim and his team are doing, they are concentrating on ex extensive effort in that, in that area of the school district. For example, we are opening up a science center in that, in that sector of the school district to ensure that we in CNI have an area that we go to where we can actually spend time so that we can work with those areas directly. We are a professional development center in that area will be very much supportive of what you are asking, how do we ensure that all students have access to STEM intensive coursework. That starts with professional development to ensure that the teachers have the capacity to actually teach in, in, with, that, with that level of intensity. That also includes monies for resources to ensure that um, we supply those schools that historically had not had a lot of science resources made available. Uh, in fact, we are in conversation right now with the, with the STEM team about how are we going to resource our, um, our, our teachers in, in that community with the science program. So if we look at the FOSS kids, for example, for many years they've been sitting in shelves. They have not been replenished. And so now uh, Jim and his team are looking to uh, re reawaken that, 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 um, that resource for those teachers in that area. Thank you. Um, I believe this is Supervisor Breed. Thank you. Um, I just had a question as to how it's, it, it says that um, there's access to uh, Salesforce.com volunteers, and I was wondering how they, what, what's their role in this in terms of their volunteerism? How consistent is it, um, and what do they specifically do to help enhance the program? Um, right now, the volunteers on a request basis. So some of the activities they participated in this year, Denman High School and um, Viz Valley Middle School, excuse me, Denman Middle School and Viz Valley Middle School wanted to do a beautification project to help opening day of school. So teams of volunteers went out to the schools to help with that. Um, we've had um, some schools ask for mentoring or in-class assistance. And most recently was the Bluegrass Festival where we had Presidio Middle School students walk over to Golden Gate Park, and they sent out a, a team of volunteers to help with that process. So not necessarily, they're not necessarily a part of helping with the curriculum implementation? Not right now, no. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, I just was also curious about how the evaluation for the middle school initiative is gonna be occurring. And so are there specific timelines for evaluations? Are we also collecting student evaluations? I know that one of the resolutions that um, I had authored when I was on the Board of Education was actually getting feedback from students um, on their learning experience in the classroom in high schools and hopefully to eventually expand to middle school. So it'd be great to be able to get a sense of how this is enhancing the actual educational experience from the students themselves and their ability to appreciate and be excited about learning about math and science and engineering. So today, part of, part of this initiative we have um, put in an evaluation we call success tracking component, and we have conducted pre student surveys along with teacher surveys, and we are working with SRI, Stanford Research Institute, to conduct, um, to, we've created a protocol um, to do classroom observations to see what the impact is, what the impact that we're having in introducing digital content and technology into the classroom, and that work is actually starting on November 1st. November 1st is when what starts? I'm sorry. When our team will come together and get training on the protocol and calibrate, and then we will go in to the classrooms and start doing official observations. 
And will you also be collecting post-evaluations from students and teachers? Post from both students and teachers. We, we are doing a series of ongoing evaluations from what is your comfort level with technology, mm -hmm. do you have technology at home, to same types of questions for teachers, how often, how often do you use technology? Mm -hmm. So we have these data points, right. and I'm more than happy to compile that information and present that at a later date. That would be great. And so are you doing it at the midway point in the end of the year or just at the end of the year? Ongoing. 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 We are trying to gather as much information to guide our future work in this area. How often does that happen? When you say ongoing, what does that mean? Every so month, every semester? Well, in terms of every time there's a professional development, we have some sort of assessment. With the teachers? With the teachers. With the students? With the students, we've done, I believe, one survey, and then we will conduct one probably uh, December. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then at the end of the school year. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Um, so I believe we, um, we do have one final presentation. Um, I know that we have a hard stop. We're, we, we will lose quorum um, in the next 10 minutes. And so, um, Commissioner, in the next seven minutes. So Commissioner Morase wanted to do one final presentation on STEM opportunities for girls and young women. And then we do still have public comment. So I just want to make sure that we're able to allocate enough time for that as well. So, Commissioner, you didn't have to go up there, but um, <laughs> happy to have you up there. Okay, great. First of all, I just wanted to acknowledge the leadership of Supervisor Kim and Commissioner Mendoza in this area. Um, they played a key role in the San Francisco launch of the Youth Spark Connection by Microsoft and um, their new initiative this past April. And I'm so excited to have Jim Ryan and Bajay um, here with this school district. Um, so I just want to share with you 12 uh, slides about girls and STEM in SFUSD. Um, there are two sources of this information. We had a Mills graduate student, Nicole Soares, do a full report, which um, I'm happy to email. It's also on our website. And then um, Iveta Bridges, the K-12 education outreach manager at Google, gave a presentation to the Commission on the Status of Women in July of this year. First slide. Um, so the good news is we have gender parity in the workforce and education, but still not in STEM jobs. Um, women are reaching parity in the U.S. workforce and in college enrollment, but there's a huge gap between women and men in STEM jobs where women occupy only one in four of these jobs. Next slide. So overall increases in U.S. demand for uh, scientists and engineers um, the, we're going to see a, a much greater demand. Um, we try to encourage women in the STEM fields because there's less of a wage gap, a 14% wage gap compared to 21% in non-STEM fields for women. However, um, those women who are in STEM fields are overrepresented in life sciences, such as biology or medicine, and underrepresented in computer science. Next slide. So, um, Yvette Bridges of Google shared with the Commission this graph by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics and National Science Foundation that compares the expected number of STEM job openings with the number of college graduates through 2018. So we have a gaping hole in the number of grads in uh, computing. There is expected to be 140,000 jobs in this field annually and only 50,000 graduates. So let's spend the next few minutes looking at how SFUSD is preparing our kids for STEM fields. 
Next slide. Um, according to Nicole's research, there are nine computer programming sections and three computer literacy classes in SFUSD. Um, these numbers are pretty low. Um, one of the reasons is that computer science doesn't meet A through G requirements for UC and CSU. Um, and while it's somewhat comforting to see that SFUSD's percentages of student enrollment are higher, those are the bar graphs, they're higher than the state, which is the line graph. Um, just 2% of our 9,600 male high school students and just 1% of our 8,600 female high school students are engaged in computer programming class. Next slide. Um, there is good news in math. We don't see gender disparity in math. And there are high levels of enrollment in Algebra 1, 2, and Geometry because these courses do fulfill A through G requirements. Next slide. Uh, as in math, we didn't find major gender differences in science. Um, and as in science, you see higher enrollment in courses that fulfill A through G requirements, biology, chemistry, and physics. And the good news is that SFUSD enrolls above the state average in these courses, and fewer students have lower-level science classes like earth science and general science. Next slide, please. Um, as you know, AP stands for Advanced Placement or College-Level Courses, and here SFUSD students outshine the state average considerably. Uh, generally, 16% of boys and 15% of girls in SFUSD take one or more AP classes. This is compared to 8% of boys and 9% of girls in California. So within SFUSD, you see that female high school students outnumber males in calculus, statistics, and biology, but are outnumbered in computer science, chemistry, physics, and environmental science. So what does this all mean? The good news is that SFUSD has a higher enrollment in many STEM courses in California as a whole. And the AP enrollment rates show that um, female SFUSD students are well prepared to be competitive college applicants. But there is a need, um, going back to my earlier question, to increase access. Many of the courses in the previous slides are not available at even half of our high school campuses. Uh, and the largest group of STEM jobs is within computer and math. That's about half of STEM employment. Next is engineering and surveying occupations, about one-third. 12% are in the physical and life sciences and 8% in STEM management. So the key question I have is whether our course offerings are aligned with the future job market. Um, and my final point is uh, course enrollment doesn't guarantee STEM careers. We also have to examine course content, course availability, and career guidance. Um, I think in the interest of time, I'm going to skip the next slide. And we'll go to recommendations. So here are six of our recommendations based on the work I reviewed. One, we need to expand professional development, and with the help of Jim and Bajay, that's happening. Uh, expand female role models in the classroom. Expand STEM courses in the high schools. So um, New York City just launched a pilot program where they selected nine middle and high schools to enroll uh, 1,000 kids in computer programming, and they uh, intend to have that program grow to 3,500 um, students uh, in the next couple of years. Uh, expand STEM courses in pre-K to eight. Um, Dr. Valentino talked a little bit about the pre-K part of that. 
and um, to participate in collaborations. So there's a Golden Gate STEM Alliance convened by San Francisco State, and there's also a California Girls in STEM Collaborative convened by the Lawrence Hall of Science. And finally, to work with STEM employers. Um, Google has a number of programs. Um, Microsoft um, also has new programs supporting youth. And I just want to conclude with a few resources. Um, the Department of Status of Women website, uh, where you can find Nicole's report. Um, Google has information, and also Microsoft through their Youth Spark. So happy to answer any questions if there are any. Um, I don't see any questions. I, I did have a quick question. I'm not sure if this is, goes to you, Commissioner, or to the staff. I had no idea that computer science doesn't fulfill or currently doesn't qualify for A through G, which I think is terrible, <laughs> given that um, clearly this is where the job gap is in terms of what we're teaching for and where the opportunities for employment are. Um, is there any movement at the state level um, to get a computer science course um, eligible for A through G so that more of our students will want to take it? Because we do require all of our students to graduate A through G, having an elective course that doesn't fulfill their graduation requirement um, takes away from a student's ability to be able to graduate on time. So I was curious, what, what is going on there? It's my understanding that, uh, that some computer science courses, if they're submitted properly through uh, UC, do satisfy the elective requirement. They don't satisfy the, the science or the math requirement. Okay, great. And um, just in general, it's great to see that there's all this movement and expanding and increasing STEM courses. I'm, I'm curious, are these replacing existing classroom courses, or is this kind of on top of what our existing curriculum? The STEM courses that, uh, that I've been aware of in the district um, and I've seen are on top of. Um, you do still end up with a bit of a... Um, a whack-a-mole problem because where if students are in a STEM course then they're not taking something else so it's a zero-sum game mm -hmm. but uh, but at this point they all the courses are being offered and none are being taken off though sections and the number of sections might be changing Great, thank you um, it's really great to see this initiative um, and it's also great to see the mayor's office working um, in partnership, I know, through um, both Commissioner Mendoza um, with SFUSD to make this a reality. It's so important that we realign our coursework and our curriculum to today's reality. And in particular, of course, we have a huge gender gap um, in the science and technology field. So it's great to see the department um, on the status of women also working to increase female participation, even though it seems like we have great participation in the classroom, but we need to figure out how to get them actually into the workforce. And I know, um, actually a good friend of mine is um, working um, with Girls Who Code um, out in New York City, and sh uh, she's working with, um, I guess, some of our CEOs here in San Francisco who are going to chair that campaign here, and so it'd be great to figure out how we can expand these private-public partnerships. We have one with Salesforce, but working with um, this organization um, to get more of our girls interested. So thank you so much. Um, if there are, oh, Commissioner Mendoza, and then um, we will open up for public comment if there are any. Thank you. Um, so just to, 
Oh, there we go. Um, so just a couple of things with regards to the presentation. So thank you, Commissioner Morase, for, for sharing that with us. Um, so code.org recently did a, a launch um, for to, to do an hour of code, um, and it's going to be the week of December 9th, and they've asked for participation from all of our schools, and so we're engaging our school district to be part of the, of the um, hour of code. And Tom Torlakson, the state superintendent, was present and was really wanting to think about how do we bring um, computer science back into the curriculum as a um, as part of A through G and not as part of an elective. But it's you know as you can imagine a very tedious process. Um, but the the other challenge that was noted on that was that we don't have teachers that are graduating with their with their. Um, computer science credentials because computer science isn't a core subject any longer. So, so we're, there's a shortage of even teachers being able to teach that. And then this after, this morning we spent quite a bit of time with, um, SF City to talk about, um, what are some of the connections that we can make with, with tech companies. But there's an organization called Black Girls Code who we're going to be engaging in the middle school initiative. And they really want to start with um, our, our young girls of color and, and bring them through the ranks and get them exposed and then have opportunities for them. Um, and we're also working with our CTE and our academies to get uh, the same exposure, particularly around computer science. So there's some, a lot of really good work that's um, um, in the works. Thanks. Thank you, Commissioner. So at this time, um, we will open up for public comment. Um, if you'd like to speak on this item, please do line up. You have two minutes. If there are no members who would like to speak, okay. Is this public comment only related to the presentation that we just had? Um, it should be related generally to the item. Um, so around STEM, middle school, we talked about a number of different issues yeah. around our school. So if they can relate to that. That would be great. Yeah, no, most certainly. Um, my name is Kevin Bogus. I work at Coleman Advocates for Children and Youth. Um, and I guess I would just like to say I'm really excited to see what's going on with the STEM project and the expansion uh, of making sure these classes are available to students uh, in middle schools and high schools in San Francisco. Uh, for me personally, I guess I would just most definitely like to see extra attention paid to make sure that uh, women, uh, young ladies are included and especially uh, women of color. Uh, and that there's a huge gap as far as people feeling connected to their school communities starting earlier than middle school and just really trying to address some of the, the larger systematic issues that kind of push people away from being involved with some really positive opportunities that are offered in the school district. Um, so just to encourage you to continue to keep pushing this forward and also looking for ways to break down the barriers that are preventing folks from uh, accessing some of the opportunities that are available. Thank you. Are there any other members that would like to speak? Seeing none. Oh. I'm Rain Tawasik. I'm a junior from SOTA, and I'm on the, the Student Advisory Council, and I'm here for Free Muni for Youth Lobby Day. And um, I've been taking Muni since about ninth grade, and this year my parents have decided that I should start paying for transportation by myself, so I'm applying for Free Muni for Youth. So this program will really make an impact on me because I don't currently have a job and it's really hard to get a job as a 16-year-old. So it would be really important for me if this uh, program could continue. 
Thank you. Thank you. So actually, I, I'm sorry, I, I should be really clear. So public comment does have to relate to the hearing that we've had today, and that is generally on middle schools and science, engineering, um, and STEM classes that are occurring, a new initiative here at SFUSD. I really apologize. I know that many of you are here for um, Youth and Lobby Day, and I imagine one of the issues that you are here to talk to us about is Free Muni for Youth, which actually many of us in this room support, and we're really gl glad that we're able to roll out this trial program. But if at all possible, if you can talk about the issue that we had, had a hearing about today, um, that would be great. I know public comment is very confusing. You know, um, many of us are, are we're going to be closing this meeting soon. Some of us will be walking out. Feel free to grab some of us who don't have urgently to make it to another meeting to talk to us about this issue. But um, if any of you would like to speak about middle schools and our science, math, engineering curriculum, you are more than welcome to come up. Part of uh, Free Me Free Slobby Day, a lot of the youth behind me are um, high school students and some middle school students from throughout San Francisco. And I know San relates to middle schools, but a lot of the folks here benefited from having had the yellow school buses, bring them around to the different uh, programs, after school enrichment programs, the STEM programs that were offered off-site or at another neighborhood school. And so I know a lot of folks had that shuttle them around the city. And with the school budget cuts, having yellow school buses cut, um, we feel that free money for youth is something that is a priority in the city. If we're looking at education, it's not just about what's offered, but it's about how to get our kids there and how to make sure that affordability is not stopping them from doing so. So youth, do you guys mind standing up to show who supports free money for youth for all students in the school district? So supervisors, we're going to be uh, waiting outside if you guys to have informal conversations, and we're going to see if we can count you in for supporting um, all students in the city and free money for youth. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Yu, and I appreciate you connecting it to our hearing item at hand. Getting um, getting our students to school and to our STEM curriculum program is incredibly program uh, is incredibly important, and we know that um, free money for youth can be a part of that. I'm seeing no further public comment on this item. I am going to close public comment. Were there any other final comments or questions from commissioners and board members? Seeing none, uh, may, uh, may I take a motion, please? Would you like to file or continue this item? Um, let's continue. Okay. Can I take a motion to continue, Supervisor? So we have a motion, and we can do that without opposition. Um, we will bring this um, to the board, maybe um, bring it back to the select committee, perhaps at another um, milestone of the program, to get a sense of how the program is actually succeeding um, in our schools. This is incredibly exciting, um, making math, science, and engineering more engaging and dynamic and applicable um, for our students is, is incredibly important, particularly as this economy grows. We want our students to be able to compete for those jobs here locally. Um, so I'm glad that this initiative is happening. I'm glad that we're able to partner with the mayor's office and Salesforce. I hope that we can include more partners um, because I think we all know how important this is, and we look forward to having an update um, perhaps at the end of the school year or at a midway point um, next fiscal year, I mean next year. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm seeing no further comments. Meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Cool.